record before I started going off. But uh, today we have a special guest, a one, the only, the really cool, really super. He's going to talk about a lot of wonderful things. So welcome, welcome, Shepherd November. That's me. <laughs> and I like your T-shirt that you wore especially today for this oh, uh, wonderful event. World's okayest mechanic. <laughs> That's me. The world's okayest mechanic. I've been away from it for a while. Okay, okay. So, you are here. We've been communicating for a few weeks and on mm -hmm. Facebook. And, you know, you've been watching the show. You're a big fan. You're really, um, you know, you spend a lot of time uh, commenting. And I appreciate that so much. So I wanted to say thank you for that, first of all. You're welcome. Thank you for being a loyal, you know, audience member. And now, a guest. Tell us about Shepherd November. I'm ready to hear it. Well, I grew up as a welfare kid in a very dysfunctional family. I can tell you my family put the dis in dysfunctional. Uh, as I've said in my book a couple of times, uh, compared to my family, the Adams family and the Munsters were normal. So... I can tell you that from the age of three, before I could read, I had a love of cars. Uh, my dear Aunt Rita, God rest her soul, said that I could identify every car by its body style, and I could. Uh, I decided I built model cars uh, as a kid, which determined my future vocation. I didn't do well in school except for shop class. So I eventually went through high school auto mechanics, trade school, and I took a job as an auto mechanic. Uh, I then designed and built luxury conversion vans. And later I had 21 years building custom fire trucks. Cool. Right here in my little north central Florida town. Love it. That's amazing. How was that experience for you? Uh, well, I'll tell you, little boys love fire trucks. I grew up and I got to play with them. Yeah, and uh, too. the subject the subject of my book, if you've seen the title, "All in a Day's Work," D A Z E, the decline and fall of the American work ethic, and basically the book is a tell-all. Uh, it is told in memoir format from my point of view. I believe that this is the first book series of its kind written as seen through the eyes of a blue-collar worker. So I'll take you back to the beginning. As I said, I grew up as a welfare kid. And I was on free lunch and all that, and believe me, I had a weight problem, so I didn't look like I'd missed too many meals. So we went on, and uh, my father had a heart attack and had to leave the uh, U.S. Postal Service. And we were on food stamps, we were on public assistance, and it just went on from there. And the whole time in my Bronx neighborhood and my family, I was told, you're never going to make it. The man's going to keep you down. You're never going to be anything more than what you are. And uh, for a time, I believed it. But I, I, I remember this one time that I wanted, back in the days before VCRs, I wanted to buy a movie projector because I was a monster movie freak. And my father told me, well, you know, things like that are for rich people. You know, people like us will never be able to afford something like that. You'll make a good salary as a mechanic, but you'll never have anything like that. But as we all know, as technology marches on, the price of things comes down. I mean, you can now have a DVD player or 
a Blu-ray player and you can buy movies for as little as $5. The first movie ever put out for VHS was over $100. The first uh, videotape recorder was over $1,000 at the time. 1975, the Sony Betamax. $1,000 and it could only record for an hour at a time. But let's go into my days as an auto mechanics student. Most of my knowledge came with Asian cars, and I didn't plan it that way. That's just the way it worked out. Uh, many times when a, when a Toyota, Datsun, today they call them Nissan, back then they were called Datsun, uh, Honda, Subaru, Volkswagen came into the shop, the other students refused to work on it. You know, they would always say, well, if it ain't got a 350, I ain't touching it. Well, in other words, if it's not American, they want nothing to do with it. So I said, all right, fine, give it to me. I'll work on it. I don't care. So... I went on, and as a mechanic, uh, I noticed that many people were more satisfied with their Japanese and German cars, but not with American cars. Mm -hmm. uh, I later moved on, and I saw why. And this is about the decline and fall of the American work ethic. So let's move in. I was at a uh, popular American car dealership, and uh, they this was July, August 1981. Okay. And one of the first cars that came in that was designed to beat the Japanese at their own game, okay, I'm not going to name the car, we couldn't get it started to get it off the transport. So we pushed it off. Okay. And we put our top mechanic to work. Bear in mind, I'm a junior mechanic. I don't know what I'm doing at this point. I'm <laughs> shadowing him. And the poor guy is tearing his hair out trying to figure out why this car won't start. And he says, well, near as I can tell, the computer is bad. So the company air freighted us a new computer overnight. They plugged it in. It still wouldn't start. So they're saying, you know, get this thing started. We have to take it to an auto show. Well, after hours of tearing his hair out, he finds a tiny little bent tab in the plug-in for the computer. And it was not allowing the computer to enable the ignition system. Mm -hmm. He bent the tab back into shape, plugged in the computer, the car started. Boom. Now, all of this tells me the car did not start at the factory. They just pushed it on the transport to get it out. Mm. Let the dealer worry about it. Mm. And I will tell you that uh, the average American car, when I did a PDI, pre-delivery inspection, mm -hmm. before the customer took it, took me on average two and a half hours to correct all that was wrong with it from the factory. Yeah. So that to me, was the start. I saw the start of the decline and fall of the American work ethic. Sure. Now, I later experienced it. I was recruited away from uh, that dealership to work at a dealership that sold three brands of popular Japanese cars. Again, I'm not going to name them. Sure. Uh, but it was an average half an hour. Wash it, aim the headlights, fill it up, give it to the customer, you're done. And we never saw them again until it was time for service. Gotcha. Now, the only, do you have any questions for me at this point? <laughs> I mean, if I had any questions, I wouldn't be able to hear everything that you have to say. And I am very well, fascinated with your story. Me, uh, uh, so let me go on. Go on. The only, time I, the only time I did work on a Japanese car for two and a half hours is when we installed an air conditioner. Okay. We installed them at the dealer. Here is where I first really started seeing the decline and fall of the American work ethic. Right. It took me, after I learned how to do it, it took me about three hours to install an air conditioner. The other mechanics could do them in two hours. Mm. And they complained that I was dragging the shop average down. Mm. Well, it turns out 
they uh, well, one day I get a car and the uh, business had dropped off, and they come over and they say, well, "We're going to show you how to refine your technique." Mm-hmm. You know, I figured you know with experience the speed would come. Well, they were telling me to leave parts off and shortcut procedures. Gotcha. Okay, one example. There's a part called the evaporator. Now, that is bolted under the dashboard. Mm-hmm. Okay, and that's the part that actually gets cold. Okay, it has four bolts that hold it in place. They were telling me to install only two bolts. The refrigerant lines with ho- hoses would hold it in place. There's another part on one of them called a condenser fan that cools the condenser. Mm-hmm. That's the part that actually gives up the heat to the outside. There was one bolt that was a real woolly booger to put in. They said, leave it out. You don't need it. What was so, that word? What was that word? Woolly booger. We used that term a while back, meaning something very difficult. A real woolly booger to put in. Like it's kind it. of a British term. I like it. So, anyway, there was another part called a receiver dryer, and that bolted to the radiator support. That was the filter of the air conditioner, and it bolted using a bracket. You had to take the grill off to get this thing on. Okay. They told me, leave it off. And I said, and I pointed to one. I said, you mean this one here? And one mechanic leans over and says, is that where that goes? Huh, I ain't never put one in. Well, I said, guys, if you leave that off, the aluminum tube will vibrate. It'll crack. Eventually, all the refrigerant will escape. They said, oh, don't worry about that. By the time that happens, we'll get paid. It'll be out of warranty. We'll get paid to fix it. Well, Right. The owner of the of the dealership called me into his office. He said, look, if you can't turn them out in two hours, I can't use you. Wow. Well, without giving up any names, I told him what ha- what was going on. Yeah. And he launched an investigation okay. and he uh, had a meeting. He says, you men are going to fix these cars for free. Hmm. And they said, yeah, but he said, hey, but nothing. And he was screaming. Mm-hmm. This is a very powerfully built man. He said. These people I've sold these cars to are people I've grown up with, people I hunt and fish with, people I play golf with. These are people I sit in church with. How am I going to explain to them there's a recall involved and it's only my dealership? Hmm. Well, after that, I was threatened. My car was keyed. My toolbox was glued shut. And eventually the threats came to the point I had to leave because I feared for my personal safety. Okay, so let's move a little forward. Okay, okay. we got when five I minutes. Bill- you got five Go minutes. <laughs> Go ahead. Five minutes to tell to to tell us the conclusion of your amazing story. And by the way, please come back on the show so you can tell us the rest. But okay, five more minutes. Okay, mm-hmm. so we're gonna jump past the uh, the conversion van factory. Okay. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna go to the to the fire truck factory. Okay. Okay. We were, I was installing windshields, and we had a problem with, wind, with fire trucks failing the water test. They put it under a big sprinkler to, symbolize, you know, to simulate a, dry, a driving rain, and some of them would leak. I saw a co-worker who wasn't doing it exactly right, and I said, uh, you know, we've had problems with these, leak, with these things leaking. He says, yes, yeah, so? And I said, well, what if it leaks? Well, they'll send someone out to fix it. Well, what if that someone is me? He says, well, what do you care? You get paid by the hour. I said, okay, well, what if it starts leaking after the fire truck's been put into service? He says, well, someone from warranty will fix it. I said, but that's time that the fire truck is down for repairs. He says, yes, so, and I got angry. I said, for Christ's sake, this truck may have to save your life one day. He leaned over, looked at where the truck was going, and said, I ain't ever going to Cincinnati. 
The point of my book series is this is what I've seen. People wonder why that we're having such a problem competing around the world industrially. I've seen it personally. And this theme of what do you care, you get paid by the hour. I heard this from co-workers, supervisors, middle management, upper management, and executives. It seemed like many of them were there just to get a paycheck. I decided I have to get the word out. And I even told one executive, look, if this place fails, I'm stuck here. This is my town. You'll take your college degrees. You'll sell your house. You can afford to take the loss. You'll, you can go somewhere else. I can't. Okay. The point I'm making here is a lot of these people that I work with could not read on a high school level. They couldn't read a tape measure. And I was always told, just fix it. Uh, the, the slogan at the fire truck factory was, be a problem solver, not a finger pointer. Well, if I'm not allowed to point out the problem, how are we ever going to solve the problem? But they never saw it that way. So how much time do I have left? (laughs) Um, You know, two minutes. Okay. The point is I decided to write this book series because people need to know about this. Now, our 44th president's campaign slogan was, yes, we can. We cannot, as a country, say, yes, we can, when so many of us as individuals say, no, I won't, okay? Our 45th president said, you know, buy American and hire American and all that. Well, that's fine. Where are we going to find people to fill these jobs when they can't even read on a high school level, they can't do simple math, they can't read a tape measure? I mean, these are things you need to know when you're building a life-saving vehicle or anything like that. Or anything, or any vehicle for that matter. Mm. They, you have to know these things. Mm. And yet, I had people who, I mean, I know you don't know anything about mechanics. They couldn't tell the difference between a fine thread screw and a coarse thread screw. They couldn't tell. I mean, I had people who thought three-eighths of an inch was bigger than three-quarters of an inch. I mean, eight's more than four, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and That's crazy. I'm not kidding. And in the early days, I had people who simply refused to learn the metric system. And I said, look, this is the way it's going to go. And they said, nah, we don't want to learn it. Those other countries should be changing to be like us. I said, no, that's not going to happen. You have to change to understand the metric system, how this is going to work. Because all these cars are going to be metric eventually. Well, this was in the the 80s. They didn't do it. So let me just close by saying... Find what you love to do. You will never have to work a day in your life. Most people get up in the morning and they go, oh, geez, I got to go to work. While me, I get up and I say, hey, I get to go to work. Right. And right now I'm doing airport transportation because I'm retired from mechanics because I'm too banged up to do it anymore. But I still maintain my own. I still do my own work. Okay. So God bless you all. Find what you love to do. You'll never have to work a day in your life. And please, for the sake of our country, do your job. Do it well. Do it with passion. Do it with love. And remember, somebody out there is depending on your product or service. With that, I'm done. Awesome. That was awesome. Okay. Thank you so much for all of that information in your four series books. Right. Yes. 
It is it's a four-book series. Four. What did I say? <laughs> did I say four it wrong? Books. That's fine. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Look, I'm dyslexic. What can I do? That's my excuse for everything. Hey, but, this, uh, dyslexic, dyslexics of the world, untie! Exactly. Okay, <laughs> so um, tell us where uh, where we, we can find them on Amazon if we spell your name correctly. That's yes, S-H... You have, you have to spell my name correctly. Mm-hmm. S-H-E-P-P-E-R-D, November, just like the month. It's called All in a Day's Work, D-A-Z-E, The Decline and Fall of the American Work Ethic. Right now, I have 35-star reviews, one four-star review, and believe me, you know, sales, please help me with the sales, folks. You know, shameless capitalist plug here, and I am a capitalist, okay? I'm just saying, I believe in world trade. I firmly believe in it. But doggone it, if we Americans are going to compete and sell our products around the world, Mm -hmm. we have to do it faster and better. Not necessarily cheaper, but we have to do it better. And believe me, these other countries that were once third world countries, now they're major industrial players like Korea. How did they do it? They did it by emulating what we once were. Mm -hmm. Okay? World War II, let me tell you, a lot of historians will tell you, we didn't beat Nazi Germany and Imperial Japan. We outproduced them. Absolutely. You got All it. All right. You got it. Thank you so All much right. for being here. All in a day's work. Work. The for decline and fall of the American work ethic. Bye. De- God bless. Thank you, you so much. You've been totally awesome, and I can't wait to have you back on. Thank you so much, Shepherd November. You got it. Bye.